3: Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How you doing? I'm Chuck. I'm godless, as are... And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Slicks Podcast. I was gonna just see, I was like, well, maybe he'll go for it. Yeah. All right, good times, man.
0: Yeah, everybody's like, man, what the hell does he say underneath check? I have no idea, but now you
3: know. Now you know. The knowing is half the battle, man. Uh yes, your weekly examination of all things metal, Metal Slicks Podcast. We post it uh, all over the place. if you can want it, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you look us up, dude. Uh, Metal Sucks Podcast. You can search it. You can find it. You can also find us at MetalSucks.net every Monday. And you can find us on social media. I am at BeardedApe on Twitter. I'm at GodlessSpeaks and GodlessSpeaks.com. So dig us up. You never know what the hell will happen after last week's episode with, uh, <laughs> with Doc, the Twitter sphere went <laughs> apeshit uh, with, with these two. Going back and forth about Fear Factory, and then uh, of course Dino gets in on it too. That was fun. <laughs> it
0: was fun. That was uh, that was a
3: good time.
0: I used to not be a Twitter fan, but I, I think I'm starting to get it now. It's just I have a real hard time getting my ideas down to that many characters, especially when you end up tagging so many different people in the
3: conversation. Whatever. I've seen you jabbing back and forth with the Bad Christian guys over and over again about some <laughs> shit, and it's like, dude, no. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, boy. It's always a good time there. Hey, uh, Metal Sex Podcast brought to you this week by Creative Live. Uh, You want to know how to record music? Check out our friends over at Creative Live. Uh, They've got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, taught by the artists that you love, whether it's Periphery, Dillinger, Escape Land, Converge, those kinds of bands. Head over to creativelive.com slash audio if you want to learn more and watch some free previews.
0: Last week, they had this awesome two-day-long hangout in the studio with Periphery. Like where else are you going to find that, right? Yeah, I know. And then, uh, but they got this other class that that really like caught my interest. It's uh, it's up there. You can get. I think they're offering. I think it's like only thirty bucks, thirty four bucks, something like that. Uh, it's uh, flawless vocals. They call it. Uh, recording, editing, and mixing With some guy named Chris Crummett, And I just thought, you know If you're a vocalist out there Or if you are with trying who? to build oh, a Chris podcast Crum? like ours Yeah, Chris Crummett. Oh, awesome. I think he does like yeah, dance yeah, yeah. Gavin dance and stuff like yeah, that yeah, yeah, I know who we, you're I love of. that album, by the way But yeah, it, you, know, live, he tell, so you know He tells you how to do it He tells you how to do it So it's, uh, it's a kick It's gotta be a kick-ass class And so, you know I'm sure like singers out there You gotta sound good And it's not just, you know Sitting there gurgling water Or sperm or What the hell are you doing? backstage it's all about knowing how to lay how it, to down. Do it yeah and, you know, and what happens once it's put on tape
3: well and you know do you give people shit about copying the microphone when it grabs you know that kind of that's like <laughs> so not the way to do it right or whatever those are the kinds of things that you can learn how to how to effectively use your voice in the studio on creative life that and it doesn't matter you're a drummer guitar player bass player whatever there's stuff for everybody dude it's pretty badass man and speaking what of stuff for everybody, yeah, what have we got lined up this week? <laughs> this episode, dude, we got uh Sean Drover, new, uh, new. You might, you might know that name. He's, he's been around once or twice uh, with a band called Megadeth, as well as this new project called Act of Defiance. We got a chance to uh, hook up with him and talk about all kinds of different stuff. But he called us on on our bullshit, which um, uh, our fans will be very appreciative of. Uh, I just,
0: yeah. I just really hope that anybody who listens to that interview would know would would at least be able to say yeah he tried to ask everything that i would want him to ask (laughs) i know you know know, you just really have to ask some of this stuff and sometimes it's really hard to do but i i
3: did it i did i think all i know is that that we got a veteran of the music business who uh was in a band with one of the most vocal outspoken people in the media today and he knows exactly what to say and how to say it he's good he's damn good and 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 i'll tell you what i got to give it to him that's uh, hands down it's pretty awesome we're going to hear a new act of divine song we're also going to hear something new that you picked out from uh straight from the path uh that's going to be coming up sort of fitting with uh with kind of our theme that we're going for in this episode because we're also got our political correspondent mike Schleibaum back uh he's gonna he's gonna school us a little bit more on politics and um uh, what what do we talk about in this one
0: well uh i it was kind of all over this- the
3: place a little bit but, but yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. With with Schleybaum, I mean, there's so much to talk about. I know, right? right?
3: There's just I,
0: yeah. I wanted to talk about this whole uh, thing with the David Drayman's uh, Disturbed. They had this music video that some people might remember. A few weeks ago, they had this music video for a new song, and it consisted of their character going into a TV news studio and shooting everybody. Yeah, and
3: uh, of course, it's with called the, the Vengeful One. Is the name of the okay. name of it.
0: And then there was last week. There was the news, of course, that uh, uh, some dipshit went up to uh, a couple people and and shot them live on
3: the air in virginia yep
0: yeah, in virginia and so it's sort of like so i guess what happened was the video i'm not sure if i understand exactly but it was like popping up i guess for people or something like that uh online and therefore now you're seeing the video in the context of that being shot so of course warner brothers whoever the label is uh pulled the video down
3: Yeah. And I wonder what I wonder what was happening. Like if it was a uh, if they were the hunting SEO, like if it was attached to certain SEO that you were looking at, if you're looking at news sites, if you're looking at, uh, you know, gun stuff or, you know, I wonder if it was attached to anything like that. So if it was you're looking at these stories about this shooting that happened in Virginia and these reporters that were brutally shot um, uh, live on television. And then this ad for this pops up and starts rolling on the side with the character shooting down a <laughs> shooting down a reporter in the studio. Maybe that's not uh, the most appropriate thing to be putting out there. <laughs> you know, just uh, just thinking. I mean, you know, but, it, it might but be it's possible. A little
0: late for that, isn't it? I, I well, mean, that's sort of my feeling on it. It's sort of like, you know, you know that the apology's coming, but to me, it's sort of like. What if, what if it turns out that this dipshit was a huge.
3: Disturbed fan. Disturbed fan. Yeah.
0: I mean, what what do you do? How do you answer to that, right? You go, well, all right. Yeah. My art inspired something awful. But we're back to 1981 again, where you basically say, look, you know, this is art. And what he did was something different. If I, if I inspired him to do that, then I'm, that's, that wasn't my intention. Uh, So, but. Well, I mean,
3: okay. So the difference, the, the problem is you can't, you can't hedge your bets with your art. You know, it's, uh, to me, it's like you can't, you can't let that be something that that dictates how you respond or what your feelings are when you put stuff out there. You would there would be no helter skelter if it, you know if if it were the fact if we could look back at it right there would that the Judas Priest would he, would he not record a cer- a certain songs because somebody might commit suicide and point to that fucking song or whatever you know so I mean it, it's I don't think that 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 the art can be judged in that way but at the same time I get what you're saying as far as like this is. This show this depicts a certain thing, and if that certain thing actually happens, then that that's is that coincidence or is that motivation? Like you know, is it one or the other? And it's sort of a catch twenty two because you can't say that this caused this or that caused that because I don't know. I mean, the Columbine shooters, you know, blame or we tried to blame Marilyn Manson for that. I mean, the media being we, but. I, and
0: I think that, you know, when and I think usually that's wrong, when,
3: but yeah, when usually when people
0: do it, they're basically saying, you know, uh, uh, it was suggested in the lyrics somehow, and they are misinterpreting the lyrics. And therefore, that's how they draw the connection. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what the lyrics are to that song, but I mean, it's pretty explicit in the video what is being somewhat advocated And if he's all right. So even the art, it's an extreme. Uh, depiction right they're not they're not trying to um, uh, they're not trying to insist that that's what people should do but what they are saying is you know what we think that the media is bad we think that it's not something that people should be paying attention to. trying to we brainwash get, you it would, yeah exactly so when emperor rhombus in the article underneath it on metal Sucks writes uh he writes uh virginia is not a post-apocalyptic kingdom of brainwashers I don't know. I, I I've been to
3: Virginia. <laughs> no.
0: I don't know. Not, <laughs> yeah. not, not, the, the not newscast- somebody doing
3: not somebody doing a public interest story on some the uh, on you know I mean that that's the, what are they trying to brainwash oh, I'm you. I'm talking in, you about the,
0: I'm talking about the state of Virginia in general. And Then yeah, you got the but- newscasters murdered were not mindless robots. Well, You know, that's definitely up for debate. And I think that David Draymond would probably side with me on that one. And I think he made it was quite obvious in the video. And then, you know, I I don't know. I've never met these people. I don't know what their stuff was. Maybe they're hard hitting reporters, but usually not. Or or cannibal demons in disguise. I'll bet you that's what Draymond thinks. You know, it's local TV. uh, So I don't know. I, I think when the apology happens, I think that Draymond needs to go, look. We had nothing to do with this. This sucks. I feel bad for everybody, but I do want to make sure that everybody understands that I think that local news in particular and news in general is pretty mindless and awful stuff. You know, that's an I don't think apology.
3: that's I don't think that's even well, it'd be an honest apology, but I don't think that's even going to happen. and I actually i don't I don't really think an apology is going to happen in any case in this instance. I think it was smart for the record label to pull this ad. You know, just it's straight up, you know, it was was a good idea because it's just bad taste. Uh, So, I mean, pulling that ad is 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 what it is. I I don't know. Did they pull the video down from the Internet? I doubt it. You know, Uh, so the video is going to still be out there. And the other reason that there's probably not going to be an apology is because you're talking about something that, that this guy had motivations. This guy wrote his motivations down in a 27 page manifesto. This guy recorded his motivations and sent them to ABC before he, b- before he even committed the crime. This guy recorded his own crime to do, you know what I'm saying? Like this was different than something else where we're trying to figure out the motive. When you're trying to figure out the motive, you're going to go, point to this, point to that, point to this, point to that. Yeah, and this but, is different because we kind of know what the quote-unquote motivation of this dude was. And and the video's got nothing to do with it. It's just a bad, bad coincidence that it pops up and it looks the same. And, uh, well, you know, an, an apology. God forbid it's is, me defending Disturbed. Uh, an but, apology you know, is a
0: great opportunity for Disturbed to have their cake and eat it, too. True. They can, true. They can distance themselves from what happened and still get attention for doing it. and so.
3: promote their record that, at the same time
0: exactly got an album coming out you know you just got to make sure that you know you sink that album title into the your uh, uh, the first line of copy on that press release you're good to go
3: <laughs> right it's like immortalized the new record from disturbed that comes out on blah 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 is not <laughs> does not relate yes. to this crime whatsoever the video yes. from and vengeful then, one which can be found at Disturb.com, can be said <laughs> like yeah I, I see where it's going you know
0: and totally and and to show how much i how badly i feel i am sending a full package of limited edition disturbed t-shirts hoodies and uh, new cop advanced copies of the album to the families of the victims i mean dude you gotta go all out with that yeah that's the way to do it
3: i'll tell you though this 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 was one of those things that was i just disturbed the shit out of me last week i mean it it, it, i don't know why i was so creeped out by maybe i watched the damn videos too much i'm there's something wrong with me for doing that in the first place, but <laughs> but dude, this is it's such a weird thing, and I feel so strange because I have I feel like I've been completely desensitized to almost everything, whether it's violence or porn or whatever. So when I get anything that's like this, that seems so, oh man, it just takes it sucks the wind out of me. I, what did I tweet? I was like, I'm always disappointed in humanity, but like, the, the last that was that's just this <laughs> this is really what? fucking disappointing to me, man. I, it's like I'm, come on, I'm gonna.
0: I'm going to be much more disappointed when somebody does a vocoder remix of the video. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude, no. That's, that's when you really start oh, to
3: question. Oh, shit. Now that's going to happen, isn't it? Oh, damn it. I can't even. It'll wind up being in a pop can, song or something.
0: But I can draw. I mean, there's a connection, right? So, like, in a way, Rhombus is kind of like, man, disturbed you guys. That that was yeah, that not so good, right? But then like a day or two before, Rhombus posts the story about um James Hetfield and M Shadows uh like pretending that they're zombies for some sort of video game commercial or something. Mm-hmm. And the first line underneath it is Where's Daryl Dixon when you need him? But you know what the implication is there. The, uh, the absolute implication is that he's yeah, waiting for somebody yeah. to shoot James Hetfield and M Shadows. And I'm, you know, I'm not disagreeing with at least one out of those two ideas. But I'm saying that it's just, you know, it's the same thing. He did the exactly the same thing that uh, that David Draymond did.
3: But I, that's just huge.
0: waiting. If somebody, if somebody shot James Hetfield. Hey, I'm telling you that that's the first thing I'm going, especially if the first uh, the guy who shot him, his name is Daryl.
3: That's a stretch. It's it is but i'm
0: saying it's just you gotta be careful with this stuff i don't you know, whenever, know man whenever I, whenever I see like if i'm watching on the ufc and and they'll do the corner cam and the coach will be like you're killing him you're killing him you're gonna kill him this round i'm like don't say that man because someday somebody is gonna get killed and the first thing they're gonna do is play that video of the coach telling you to kill him and that is not cool and not why not cool. and
3: why are people gonna vote for donald trump why 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 are we gonna what why is because he's gonna make because he's gonna make howard stern a supreme
0: court justice that's
3: why that's why i vote and that's what i'm saying is that it's it's people that don't give a shit about stuff like that 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 aren't going to get upset and get their panties in a wad about about that kind of stuff that's those are the people who actually ring true with the American public. the My point being is that when you start to pull back and you start to hedge your bets, if if it's and you and you give in to that kind of political correctness, that's what you know pisses people off. if you you can't stop saying what's on your mind if it's on your mind and i know that like the whole thing with the napalm guy right the with the napalm festival or whatever right like those yeah. shitty remarks that he made uh, the, uh, about um, uh, what was her name um oh, sophie lancaster yeah sophie so, lancaster like that she was a goth who got murdered like nine
0: years yeah. ago just for being a goth. she was protecting her boyfriend yeah and they kicked her in the head till she died there's a and fucking he,
3: terrible story like like that's it's an unbelievably terrible, terrible story yeah.
0: Yeah, and 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 there's a whole organization that's popped up in her name that that they had a big uh uh presence at. And I donated money to it while uh, down at Mm -hmm. uh, Bloodstock. So, yeah, uh, you know, I I, I do have a cold heart, as everybody can tell from earlier. But, you know, the story about Sophie Lancaster before this whole thing with Napalm uh, Festival happened, you know, I did bleed a little bit for uh, uh, for uh, that organization because I think it stands for something really. good. Yeah,
3: yeah, indeed. And it's a thing. it, It is a thing. So, I mean, but what happened was was that the organizer of that festival made a few comments on Facebook that were definitely insensitive, right? And, and now basically had to shut that entire Napalm Festival down uh, because people just said, fuck you, and, <laughs> and started walking away from it. So, I mean... Now when that dude apologized, like uh, that was a that was a oh fuck man. <laughs> yeah,
0: I am copying
3: that apology.
0: I'm gonna save that to my hard drive, and someday I'm gonna use it to apologize for something. Maybe it's something I'm saying on this episode too. <sighs> <Who knows? I'm, laughs> I felt bad for
3: that dude. I really did because it's like I know, I I know that that was just a. A quip, you know, that he didn't think about, and is like, dude, yeah, insensitive. Oh, to- it was totally insensitive and re- and really kind of wrong. But you know, can you tell that dude not to say that? I mean, you, it's one of those things that if it's on your head and you say it, you gotta you gotta justify the consequence, or you, the, you're gonna have to answer for it, no matter what, right? So I'm not saying you don't have to answer for what you say or the or any of that is supposed to be different because of whatever. I, what I'm saying is is that. You shouldn't have to edit yourself ahead of time if you don't want to, but you, but you know, you got to accept the consequences either way. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I edit myself all the time. Yeah, because this is pre-recorded. That's that's right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just cut yeah you know i just cut all the stupid shit i say out of this podcast that way it's like well uh, that's why i never i'm like yeah i'll just let uh, let godless say it all thank goodness
0: Uh, yeah last week it was funny because last week i said some stuff and you were like yeah i think i'm gonna take that out (laughs) let me send an email see if it's gonna be yeah we're gonna take that out yeah, you better take that out. Like,
3: yeah, but I told you. It's, uh, I know what the <laughs> hell I'm doing. I've been around the block long enough. Speaking of which, how about we get around the block with Sean Drover, dude? Act of Defiance is a new, new, brand new band that, that they call the Supergroup, but it's really kind of not, featuring, of course, Chris Broderick and Sean Drover of Megadeth fame is where you probably know those names from mainly. And we got a chance to uh, talk with Sean Drover here on the Metal Sucks podcast.
4: Hey, dude, it's Sean from uh, Max the
3: How you doing? Hey, how's it going, man?
4: Good, good.
3: Sean. How are you? Yeah, it's uh, Chucky, Godless. Uh, yeah, chucky Godless from the uh, Metal Sucks podcast, man. Awesome. Uh, hell yeah. Sorry about uh, last week, the mix-up, uh, you know, trying to catch you and all that stuff.
4: I know, dude. Hey, I, I literally, like I said, I literally got the schedule 15 minutes after you called. So. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, this is obviously important, so I didn't you know, I had to be... You know, this had to be done properly, so we had to reschedule. So my apologies for that. Well you
3: gotta be mentally prepared for this kind of thing. You can't just like I think you, you know you
4: just gotta be I think you just gotta be mental for this kind of thing. So <laughs> to, So to which I'm both. I'm mentally prepared and mental. So we're this is gonna be good.
0: <laughs> awesome. I'd rather you were not mentally prepared. I want you emotionally fragile. Uh, oh, I am you know, com- believe me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You've come
4: a- to the right place. Excellent. All right. Well,
3: congratulations on the new record with Act of Defiance, dude. I listened to the whole thing uh, like last week before we were gonna talk to you, and uh, and you guys you guys are pissed off about something. It's it's an angry record.
2: I'm
4: I'm very angry. I'm I'm an angry person. What 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 better way to what better way to vent your anger? Uh, than expressing it through heavy metal music instead of g- grabbing an ice pick and, and uh, you know, doing something that you really shouldn't do. Yeah, right. So,
0: Which, of course, always leads to the question, so who are you angry at, Sean? Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> Just life, dude. I mean, I'm no, angry about a lot of things. come on. It's okay. Well, this is what I tell my therapist, but all. All kidding aside, seriously, even since that's the one thing that with the advent of a way back in, uh, you know, well, a long time ago, over 30 years ago, that that to me was such a great thing just to kind of vent my, you know, those emotions when you're young and, you know, young, vibrant person who has, you know, whatever it is, you know, if you're pissed off at whatever, I always found, uh, because I'm not a violent person at all, But you still have those emotions in you, and I always found that was such a great way to express and vent that anger was through listening to really sick heavy music, and it's uh, I love it. The fact that now I'm, you know, I'm making my own sick heavy music is uh, maybe that can provide a a, that kind of release for uh, somebody else who's uh, demented like I am.
0: (laughs) So is it a coincidence that you and your brother would both be so incredibly angry? Should we be interviewing your parents? Oh God, yeah. Yeah, I'll
4: give you my mom's number <laughs> as soon as we're done. She's ang- she's angry too, and she's eighty eight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but are you really, I mean is, is that a, are
4: you, are you getting what's going is, on now? <laughs> <laughs> totally,
0: <yeah. laughs> is that is that it? I mean we're, we're with the folks. I mean, isn't everybody like so much nicer in Canada and it'd be all good and hunky dory, but no. Why would you be what do you got to be angry about when you're a kid?
4: Well, I couldn't make the NHL. I couldn't make the National Hockey League, which is where all Canadians vent. That's where all the Canadians vent their frustrations by beating the crap out of each other. It has nothing to do with scoring goals. It's just about fighting. So I wasn't good enough to make that team. So I was. I'm, I'm very angry about that.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, admittedly, though, you've got you've 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 got a pretty good life. You get you've got good things going on right now, right?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. I could. I couldn't be more thrilled. I mean this this record. This record exceeded even my expectations of it. I mean, I you know. We just tried to make the best heavy metal record we could, uh, without even thinking or caring about um, what kind of subgenre of the, which, to which I think there's what 257 subgenres of metal now. Uh, trying to confine uh, this music into some kind of little box to where you can judge it before you can even hear it. That we just said, you know, the, the mission statement was: you write five tunes, I'm going to write five tunes, as long as it's metal, it, you know, and it's kick-ass been awesome and that's the premise we had to go on and uh the, the result of that is a birth and the burial so there you go
0: so was henry's voice like the voice that you imagine when you're writing these songs or was it just a matter of like when you heard it it's like okay yeah that's gonna fit with what we're writing
4: well the great thing about henry is to come to find out that he has about six or seven different voice characteristics you know, he can sing melodically actually very well is a good melodic voice, but then he's kind of got the semi raspy melodic, and then it starts getting more and more sinister to where he's just, you know, melting your face off with all the. I think it all, depending on what the song is and what the song calls for, would we, we'll, we'll ultimately dictate what kind of vocal phrasing Henry did. And he did most of that, you know, he had very little input from me uh, in terms of for my songs as to what I wanted him to do. He really was able to listen to the the music that I wrote and put his own stylistics to it, and it was right up what I was thinking anyway. So I wanted him to have that creative uh, input and control as to what his vision was, as long as we all were in agreement to it, uh, to which my stuff absolutely was. I think he did a stellar job, so
3: so we know how you and chris are together how did the rest of the band fall into place for you i mean how did you guys find henry was it acquaintance was it uh you know how did how did uh henry and matt come to be with you guys
4: well matt matt was a happy co- i've known matt for 15 years uh from when shadows fall started and uh that was kind of a happy coincidence to where shadows fall was just breaking up I, I of course i'm reading this on social media and matt was looking for looking for a gig and uh I've known Matt for so long, and I knew he was a great guitar player, but also a killer bass player and a great songwriter as well. So, I just hit him up. I said, "Hey, you know, you know, we're looking for a bass player. Would you be interested?" And he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm there." So it's he jumped in head first into the into the project, and uh, he came in. Uh, he came into the band last. Henry was more of the the journey, you know, finding that singer on YouTube kind of guy. You know, where a journey mm-hmm. took forever to find to find Arnell. Uh, you know, he's in the Philippines or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah Henry was. Um, one of the many, you know, you just find guys on YouTube or you come up with names. You know, we had several names who we thought of could be a possible cool fit, and you quickly whittle it down to who's actually available or, you know, or even whatever the case may be. Henry became one of maybe four or five uh, more serious contenders to where we submitted music for him to sing on, and uh, he had just quit his previous band, so he was available, Um, you know, so... You know, of, of the work that was submitted, his by far was certainly the most dynamic and and uh, uh, the most impressive. And you know, by sheer coincidence, he you know he lives ten minutes from Chris. so that was a, a nice, happy uh, wow. you know coincidence to where it's it's very easy for him to get to Chris's studio and they can go over stuff. So it's just a lot of good um things happened to where this kind of came together rather easily, to be honest.
0: do you approach the way that you play drums? Based on whether there's one guitar or two, do you make any changes? Are you allowed more space or anything like that, or is it still the same approach?
4: Yeah, for me, for me, it's always been the same approach. I mean, I've been writing, I've been writing music for 30 years now, and it's, I pretty much do it the same way. To where I just lock myself in my music room, plug my guitar in, and just write riffs. And when I come up with something I like, I record it. So you know, over the course of time, you have this plethora of of metal guitarist you start assembling in the songs. So when I write the songs that I write, it's j- it's just from complete heavy metal standpoint, whether it's one guitar or two guitars. i like I don't write like I'll keep it basic. I won't like write you know twin harmony guitar leads or any of that stuff because if if I'm in a project or a band where there's only one guitar player, then it's it's kind of pointless to do that. So i I keep it kind of very bare bones and very to the point well, with the songwriting process that I do. And then those layers are added on later, or not, depending on the what band I'm in at the time. So, uh, but that really over the last 30 years, it's really never changed for me as to how I write tunes. I I write them for myself, and and if you know, ultimately I write them for myself, and I have to love it. And then once I get to that point, you know, I present it to you know, in this case, act of you know, Chris and act defiance, and and hope they like it, and then uh, it goes from there.
3: Now the wheels started to see it to turn pretty quickly for you guys once you once uh, you and Chris had left uh Megadeth was this something that you guys had on your brain for a long time and were thinking about uh, thinking about or was it in the back pocket because it was literally like just what a couple of months that you announced that you were doing a new project
4: No no it's not something i thought about a long time no the, the band was having taking a year off which i really didn't want to and then I but, but it was blessing in disguise. I mean, I just got to the point where I was kind of having a musical crossroads. Like, you know, I was getting to the point where I really want to express my ideas and, and my in music and lyrics and, you know, write heavier music. I really wanted to write heavier, more sinister music. And uh, I just, you know, I just really started thinking about it. So, you know, if, if I was ever going to make a change in my career, now would be the time because it wouldn't interfere with, with them getting another drummer, or, you know. I would never do anything to jeopardize That band, you know, in terms of, you know, putting them in a position where they had to cancel a tour or anything like that, it all had to be done properly with respect to, you know, the years that I was with those guys. I was with that band for 10 years. So the last thing I would ever want to do would be to mess, you know, to mess them up in the middle of a tour or something like that. So that's why I figured if I was going to do this, now would be the time because we have over a year off the road. So that's what I did. And I confided in Chris about it. Uh, What my intentions were, and and he was having the same thought process. But we just like, well, why don't we just like start a new band? You know.
2: (laughs) I think that
0: like all of us always pictured it was like the two of you guys versus the Daves at all points. Anyway, but so you're saying it was more like it was just.
4: No, it was it it, it was my decision. I'm the one who I was the one who started. Well, maybe Chris was having those thoughts too. I really don't know what Chris's thought process was, but Mm -hmm. I'm the one who let him know what I was going to do. And he said, well, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing the same thing too. I really didn't reach too far into what, you know, how long he was thinking or pondering this or any of that stuff. I just, my focus became on, okay, well, if we're going to do this, you know, let's get to work because we've got a lot of work to do, you know, because we wanted to have a record out. We left the band in November of last year. My game plan, and ultimately, you know, both of our game plan was to get a band together and do everything that we have to do, you know, band, music, producer, manager, booking agent, record company, all those things, and done and out by the summer. And that's exactly what we did. So that was a huge undertaking.
0: Yeah. That was my next question. So touring and and whether that's going to be a part of what you guys are doing. It sounds like that's definitely a part of what you're doing.
4: Yeah, we announced tour dates uh yesterday. We're going Thank out the Legion we're, we're doing a American tour, a North American tour in October uh, to November and that's just the beginning. Word, this is not a project by any stretch of the imagination. There's you know, there's been a, a, a term coined, you know, that supergroup super group, shit, yeah. and I don't to which that's certainly not the case with us. Now, if there's supergroups out there, you know, that's great and that's but that has nothing to do, you know, With what we're doing at all, this is a band, and we're going on the road, and we're going to kick it old school and and bring heavy metal to people who want to hear it. That's that's the way it was always done when I was growing up, and that's what I want to do. So there's really no no other way to to build a um, a fan base than to the live experience. That's you know what I mean. That's the one thing you can't steal anymore. It's going to a concert and and seeing it live. That to me is is something that's still extremely important so that's exactly
0: what we're gonna do you and chris always seemed like i I don't know and maybe this is just my impression but it's always seemed to me like the two of you guys were the ones that the fans of megadeth really could uh, uh uh relate to the most you know you guys always seemed the most down to earth and the most connected in all that sort of stuff and uh so I guess part of my thing was, you know, when you say that, like, you wanted to do heavier music. All the Megadeth fans want to hear heavier music from Megadeth. When you're doing Super Collider, are you guys just squirming with with the direction of that album the entire time, or uh, it, it, was it just you? You just you're a hired, you know, you just come in and play. I mean, what was your relationship with that album?
4: Well, I mean, I like all kinds of music. I don't just like metal. I mean, I like Obviously, heavy metal is my favorite genre of music to listen to. But I'm also a big fan of, of jazz fusion. I like, you know, I like all kinds of different music. I love, you know, classical stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I really enjoy. To me, um, it's not a big deal to listen to Supertramp, Crime of the Century, and then turn, turning right around and listening to a creator record or, or some, you know, a Sugar record. It, it doesn't, you know what I mean? It, to
0: me, good Are music you saying that Super Collider was the crime of the century?
4: <laughs> no, I'm no, not. I'm sorry, no, that's, that's, a that's, that's, that's a bad joke. That's a bad joke. I'm just no, that's actually <laughs> pretty funny. But no, um, <laughs> that actually is pretty dead funny. Um, no, no, I mean, I like all. Like I said, I like all kinds of music. So, you know, that record was that the heaviest record they ever did. No, but that's okay. You know, it's uh, Dave has a lot of different musical. Avenues he likes to explore from time to time, you know so and that and I respect that, but you know I would rather create killing is my business part two than than that last record um with that said i, I put everything I could into that record as I did all of them you know, and try to make it yeah. um you know as cool as possible and and uh but you know the results they are what they are, and uh you know it wasn't very well received and um so you know what can you do but that's not that's not the reason why you know. I, I, like I said, with with Act of Defiance, I want to write all heavy music. This is going to be all complete metal. There's not going to be any experimentation in terms of you know, you know. Now we're now we're a jazz fusion band. None of that stuff. There'll be influences on, on the record, but it'll, in in the end, every song will be complete heavy metal. That that will not change. Though so. that's the cool thing about you know, I mean, certain bands never change. That's one thing I really like about like something like Meshuggah. they <laughs> they're so friggin heavy and just bizarre and, and original, you know, it's, I really love that kind of stuff, That that's really inspiring to me to completely not have any regard as to what's selling or what's popular. They're on their own trip. And that's something that I really want to get back doing. And I ultimately did with this band. It's just like we wrote, we wrote music, not caring or thinking about what others may perceive it as or what they think of it. You know what I mean? You hope that people like it, but if somebody doesn't, that doesn't bug me one bit. I, I cater, I cater to the ones who who will like it, and become fans. That's awesome. But if you don't like it, whatever. That that doesn't mean anything to me. I hate asparagus, but I don't talk about it on asparagus dot com's message board. <laughs>
3: well, I mean, do you feel like you've always been that way, or is this something you've grown into? Yeah, I've, I mean... always, hate,
4: I've always hated asparagus.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm
4: sorry. No, I mean, we got it's- our
0: headline, Chuck. We got our headline. Excellent. <laughs>
4: yeah, there, always- there's your ne- the- twist that into a negative headline for the media. There you go. <laughs> Just wait, the Strobe, asparagus Stroller lobby. Asparagus.
3: Yeah, the the yeah. asparagus lobby is going to be coming after Act of Defiance. Yeah. It's over. I it's, know. It's I'll it's be all getting all letters,
4: yeah. and, and you know. <laughs>
0: Asparagus.
3: A- dot Asparagus. <laughs> so com, <me>? yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, do you, do you feel like that was something that you had to come to after after doing Eidolon, after doing Megadeth, and getting to this point and going, okay, now I have to let loose of all this stuff? Or have you always just not given a shit about what other people thought and and went for oh, it? Oh, we
2: can
4: swear on here? This is awesome. Oh, yeah, we
3: can swear. <laughs> okay,
4: good. You know, I, I don't know. I it's, I just did, you know, again, once I made the decision to leave, it was just kind of business as usual. I mean, with Eidolon, I always wrote, I wrote probably 90% of that music, most of the lyrics and most of the melodies for the first five records of, the, of that band. So to me, it was just kind of like going back to business as usual, going to my music room and turning on the guitar and, and whatever comes out, comes out. As long, like, you know, with, with the, um, the mindset of, what this has to be complete metal, like no unrelenting, just not giving a shit, just in your face stuff, you know what I mean? And that's exactly what we did.
0: I got to say, like, I've never worked, had, like, kept the same job for 10 years. I've only, like, like two years has, like, always been my max, you know? Like, by that sure. point, it was, but at that point, like, I'm going to the wife and I'm going, hey, hey, and I'm a nervous wreck because I don't know what the future consists of. I mean, how challenging is it emotionally after a 10 years of the same job?
4: Yeah, it was it was certainly something that I didn't decide overnight. Um, you know, especially with the, with the state of the industry, the state of heavy metal, is. the fans are probably there more than ever, but the record sales are have greatly diminished, which affects every facet of the industry. You know, you don't get as much, you don't get as a good of a record budget. You get no, basically no tour support until you go out there and prove yourself. You, you know what I mean? Everything is diminished. You don't have a good tour production because there's no money in it. You know what I mean? There's all these factors, you know, you uh, have to you have to ultimately go out there and prove yourself and basically start kind of not start from scratch, but certainly start on a, on a lower level to get that respect and, and earn uh, the record company's trust by selling, you know, ultimately selling music or, or, you know, and building that fan base to where they, they actually buy your product, those that buy it. But, you know, this isn't the eighties, man, back in, you know, back in the day, you know, when MTV was really pushing metal, the, all those bands were selling millions of records which was which is great for the scene because it generates income to have better stage productions and more you know, more faith from the record company because you're making them money. All that stuff all that stuff matters. You know what I mean? People it's it's funny to me that when you read this stuff on in the internet about, you know, guys saying, you know, the industry's in a bad state, you get these people to come back, these same twenty or thirty idiots come back and say, you know, Oh, they're just being rock stars or whatever, blah 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 but that's bullshit because all everything is generated by money, right? Any business cannot succeed if it's not generating money to survive, and that yeah. includes uh, that includes heavy metal music. So, do I wish it was 1986 again? Uh, in, from a financial standpoint, absolutely. Yeah,
0: but. You know, and I see you, you guys trying to be creative about it. I mean, you guys have got like you got like your drum heads up for sale, and you know sticks, and fans can support yeah, the band that way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, at least it's a, at least that's something towards. At least you guys are thinking about it creatively. Is what I'm saying.
4: A lot of bands now are having to. I mean, you know, by I see Judas Priest with a with a pledge music page. You know, Queens Drake have a pledge music page. You know, a lot of different bands are are trying to find different ways to both. Reach out to, to fans who like that kind of stuff, but also generate income for tour support or, or production costs or, you know, having a better state, whatever the case may be. It's, it's interesting. It's a, it's, a, it's a new way of thinking, and I'm, and I'm trying as quickly as I can to adapt to it because I'm more old school to where it's very black and white. You should buy, you know, to, to support the bands that you love, you should buy their music.
0: It's interesting you bring up Queensryche, because I wanted to ask you, like, do you agree with your brother that Queensryche is better than Jeff Tate's Operation Mindcrime?
4: <laughs> oh, God. That's, that, no, I'm not even going there. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> Come on. not even going there. Sean,
0: you're I, no fun.
4: I saw in 1986 in the Montreal Forum with Ozzy, and it's, it's actually on YouTube. That's one of the best shows I've ever seen. And actually, I met Jeff Tate that day walking the streets uh, in Montreal. And got a picture with him. I still have it at at, uh, Glenn's (laughs) house. And uh, I mean, you've got—I mean, I I love that band. So you know.
0: Speaking of Glenn, when is he? Best of luck to both camps. (laughs) When's he joining up with the with the new band? You got a slot for a second guitar. When's Glenn joining with you guys?
4: You know, Glenn doesn't like touring uh, as much anymore, and for good reason. I mean, it's. You know, when he left Megadeth, he had a small child, and it was after four years of touring, recording, and just being away from home. He it just got to the point where it, he wasn't really digging it anymore. And um, he's he's good with like he'll he'll does stuff a testament from time to time when when uh, Alex has other commitments, Glenn would jump Glenn would jump in to do it. You know, like a tour for you know three or four weeks, and he's good with that. He has a studio at his house that he re- you know he does a lot of recording there. He works with a lot of other bands and, uh, uh, from a production standpoint, and that makes him happy. You know what I mean? He, you know, he definitely gets that sometimes where he's itching to go go and do stuff uh, from a touring perspective. He's done stuff, but he did the Hale thing where they went to Russia and played, uh, I think, nine or ten song, uh, 10, 10, uh, ten shows, and uh, so he's able to kind of go in there part time when you know when an opportunity comes up. But by and large, he's he's definitely more comfortable. Um, working in a studio environment and just uh, at the end of the day just being at home, so, so more power to them.
3: What, what, who, who what? wants
4: to be who wants to be unhappy what you know what i mean it 's like at the end of the day you know if you're not, if you 're not happy doing something you shouldn 't do it
3: so what 's kept you uh from from getting that sort of fe- same sort of feeling i mean being on tour doing that stuff and, and- sean doesn 't well, like my, his family anywhere near <laughs> as much as Glenn likes it well they don 't like
4: me <laughs> no my situation's different my my kids are are um are fully grown. now. my daughter's uh, almost 28. My son's almost 23. So they, when I joined Megadeth, they were already in their teens and, you know, they got to come out and see that what I was doing and stuff. And they could understand and, and, you know, and appreciate and all that stuff. And got this, you know, get to see it. So it was, I had a different vantage point, you know, to where my brother couldn't bring his son out on the road for, you know, a week or two weeks. He was way too young for that kind of thing. So,
0: your kids think you're way cooler than his kids think he is, right? <laughs>
4: no, my kids think I'm way cooler than I actually am. That's what I think it
0: is. It doesn't matter. It's, Perception's it's reality, Sean.
4: Now, you know what? It's, it's, an, indi- it's an individual choice. Whatever, whatever makes you happy, that's what you should pursue. So and what, what doesn't make you happy, you should change it. There you go.
0: Did you uh, have to screen out Henry Derrick's politics before you signed him on as the band singer?
4: uh no what
0: what are his politics
4: i have no idea nor do i care
0: when will will we find out (laughs) when's the next first show and will we find out his politics yeah i have
4: (laughs) this this is this band yeah this band whatever your personal preferences are in terms of politics and all things non-musical i i have no interest in that's what's funny. That's it's what's so funny about it. And I don't I ever talk about politics because it always ends up turning into a negative, twisted into some kind of negative thing um, to which but the, the ironic thing is everybody have has their own indiv- individualistic thought process on it. And, and you you get to vote, you know, when there's a presidential election, you vote Democrat or, or Republican or what have you. And, and there's this there's such such a divide when there's a presidential election, you are either, you know. People like people hate each other like for that, you know, that that whole election process. You know, what I mean, if you're a Republican, the Democrat, you know, you're a Republican, you're an idiot, you know what I mean? And then then whoever gets elected president, every, everything goes back to normal. I, I find that quite humorous.
0: But and, you gotta uh, agree that Hillary is as much a Republican as anybody in the GOP, right?
4: I don't give a shit, I'm Canadian. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm
0: trying, Chuck, don't I'm really trying hard.
4: Don't care. Yeah, you yeah, you're not you, I love I love these bait questions, dude. This isn't my first rodeo. You're gonna to have to try a little harder than
0: that.
3: Wait, let, let when me did we go get you- Henry an uh, interview. I'm going you're. sure uh, uh, he-
4: what that has to do with me writing by Lord Belial, But you uh. can keep talking about it if you want. <laughs> I'll
3: like, say you're in, in Atlanta. Don't make us go for the Confederate flag thing. We can, we, we, you know.
2: Oh Jesus.
3: <laughs> we, can, we go total we're, southern. And state we're not on discussing you. Jesus either.
2: <laughs> love, love the questions.
4: Love the big. says. He- Drover says he
3: hates this. Uh, no, it's all good. You love your family, you making. I love everybody. In myth.
4: in in, yeah. pre- in interviews and in the press, I love everybody.
0: <laughs> Active defiance only album number two. Yeah. I, the album title should be "We Love everybody. Drover." Yeah. Drover yeah. versus Wade.
4: Yeah, there's going to be a what, bunch how, of flowers on the cover and it's just going to say love and, love and peace
0: <laughs> and then
4: until you listen to the record it's going to be complete hate
0: oh, Sean, things. it's so great to talk to you we're so excited for the new stuff and so excited for what you guys have done and, and uh, yeah it's so awesome to speak with you thank you very much appreciate
4: it
2: today
3: New music from Straight from the Path, Badge and a Bullet, number two is the uh, name of the song, or Badge and Bullet, two is the name of the song right there. A little bit incendiary, wouldn't you say? (laughs) I
0: love the fact that they're putting the politics
3: back into the metals. It's so
0: good. Them and Ramming Speed, you know, that's when you know, that's when you know that there's something worth talking about in politics when the metal bands are singing about it. When it's important is when it finally gets to us and our people.
3: Yeah, it starts bleeding through, you know, it's in the lyrics. It's starting to get embedded in the culture again. And that's actually not a bad thing. Well, I mean, it's a bad thing, but it's a good thing. You know, they're not singing about acid rain. They're singing about police violence. That sucks.
0: and, and, you know, it's funny, like, well, all these super bands popping up, I'm waiting for one of them to, like, come up with a, like, uh, how much it sucked the whole Ashley Madison hack, you know, because, <laughs> you know, those super group guys are hey, all dude.
3: married with kids. Yeah, and, first know? world problems, man. First world yeah, problems totally. right there. I mean, totally. Hey, uh, Metal yeah, Metal Sucks. It'd uh, be hilarious if it's like the next Anthrax <laughs> album is, like,
0: cry for the Ashley Madison <laughs> hack, you yeah.
3: Oh, it's Terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> hey, uh, metal sex podcast is brought to you by creative live uh you want to learn to record music check out our friends at creative live uh they've got classes on engineering mixing mastering all taught by the artists themselves between the bear to me converge periphery just to name a few dot slash audio if you want to learn more and watch some free previews suggest you do so get your learn on but since we wanted to, you know, get a little political, and Sean wouldn't get political with us, uh, we might as well get political with somebody else, <laughs> Mike Schleibau. Uh, we've invited him out on the show in the past, and he's been awesome, and gives us uh, some politics insights from the mental perspective with the Sadist Nation. Sadist Nation.
0: 80% of public perception is image, not what you say. They're
3: white folks, and then they're ignorant motherfuckers like you. Politics.
0: We will never have the elite... Smart people on our side. If all that were proven true,
2: I
3: think that would be a very serious offense. Religion. Make sure you carry your Bible, will you, and your woman. The
1: only thing standing between us and savages—it's the red, white, and blue.
3: Topics and issues concerning all metalheads.
1: You betcha, who diddly, I am as conservative as all get out.
3: This shit's getting way too complicated for me. The Sadist Nation with Mike Schleiva. Dude,
1: we got—we are a year from Ferguson, and straight out of Compton just came out. And it's, you know, Oscar material because it's, you know, proving that these guys were like, what, the soothsayers years ago, of the fact that everything's still fucked up. But either way, it doesn't even matter because it's just interesting. Like, this this police state issue is all over the place. The border stuff is all over the place. I think but the real big change from a year ago is that we have, mr donald trump to thank for uh reminding us that it's all like a state show right no kidding and we have bernie sanders who i can say to you guys like look we talked about him a while ago and you just so shrugged me off that he wasn't electable
0: and he's not electable
1: you know what well you better hope that fucking trump isn't either you know what i mean but whether you know we what if this what if this is the turning of the tide? what if the way that there's enough people connected outside of m- modern media that you still have Bernie Sanders drawing all those people. Yep. You know, like, what if you have, you know, I saw they had, there's six major media networks that control almost everything. Like, what if they lose touch because we've got this other way of communicating and you do have somebody that is quote unelectable get in there because the problem is the only alternative is like a super hyper alpha male version of electable. And that's where you're getting Trump. You know what I mean? He's just like, he's on fire because everybody's eating it up, you know? Oh,
0: Absolutely. And they're eating it up. I think because like take that GOP debate, for example, every single other man, up on that stage, and Carly Farina in the initial one, all of them had a script... And they'd memorized oh, it, the and debate. they stuck to You're right. it.
1: Right, that happened to the debate. Yeah, right.
0: yeah, totally. And so, so there you've got Donald Trump, and you have the dude has no script. He may say what he's thinking. He may say what he uh, believes. He may be just bullshitting you. But whatever it is he says, you there, you have no way to plan for it. It throws the entire thing off. It it, it sets everybody's script on fire, yeah. and it's so well, yeah. good for the process.
1: It's not, okay? Here's what I'm going to say is not good. I I love the fact that he doesn't have a bunch of handlers, and I love the fact that he'll just say whatever the fuck he thinks. But I've been watching, you know, a lot of 24-hour news. We have it on in the studio while we're working a bunch or, or the talk radio that we listen to, and they will quote this. They will quote shit that he says, and then the moderator will come on and go, well, that's actually not true. This happened, but that, you know, Basically, like, he, by talking out of whatever he wants, whenever he wants, there's no real way that he will fact-check anything, and people are so, uh, I guess, delug- deluded by information nowadays that they'll believe what he's saying, even if it's not true. And since he doesn't have any handlers, and there's no more accountability, because he used to be able to, like, shame someone out of the race for making a weird yell like Howard Dean, you know? Yeah. Now... This guy can go up there and say all immigrants are racist and let's build a wall and, and all this crazy shit and nobody cares.
0: People care and and but on the other hand everything that you said that that he's been doing I don't think is unique by an, well, yeah, by of any course. of the politician standards. All the rest of them do the same thing. They'll spit out a ton of misinformation. But the difference no, I agree. Is, is the difference is now that you've got a guy who is basically So incredibly unpredictable and so incredibly um, uh, shoot from the hip that instead of having politicians who are uh, uh, going to try to uh, put out there what it is they think people want to believe they are now they have to because they've got to think from the hip and they got to act quick that hopefully they have to actually start saying something that's honest.
1: Yeah, well, you see how well Hillary does with that. She's a train
3: wreck. Oh, I know. What? And see, so, that's, and that's why I've changed my mind about Bernie. Uh, because I think he is the Trump of the left, you know, but he stays on message and is actually measured and thoughtful about what he actually has to say.
1: (laughs) The Trump of the left.
2: (laughs) But, you know, I mean, as
3: far as like, he's willing, he's willing to like say, no, screw you. I'm not going to talk about Hillary's hair. We need to talk about the actual issues, you know? And, but he, you know, instead of instead of trying to just say something inflammatory to get his name out there, he actually has an opinion about
1: something. what could he have said about her hair? (laughs) <laughs> That's like lobbing a guy a fucking pitch on. That was so the brilliant.
3: But his answer to that, I mean, his, his comeback to that was so brilliant about we should, you know, we shouldn't be talking about that. That's not what's, you know, just it's not what's important.
1: So, we should be wondering what the fuck was all in these emails. But, right. You know. Whatever, but I guess. <laughs>
3: but that all
0: is true. But I think that Bernie has to face every single one of these uh, Democratic debates the same way that Trump has faced the GOP debate, which is You're the right, dude yeah, has, has to, to be incredibly yeah. unpredictable and he's got to yeah. shoot from the hip. And and he'll obviously not do you know be as completely inf- as inflammatory and and repugnant as Trump is, but if he's predictable, Hillary's gonna just eat him up and spit him out.
1: She's gonna be in one of those salmon-colored blazer suits, man. I can just see it right now. <laughs> like, man, the thing that's messed up too is freaking okay. They're gonna bring in Joe Biden. That's a great idea. So, I mean, we don't really have... I mean, this is what is really scary. I mean, at least right now, I'm hoping we're still a while away. Maybe this is just still all entertainment. But the reality that's really scary is deep. You know, there's not much more time for anybody else to come popping out. I mean, I know it seems like it's far away, but the amount of fundraising it takes to really win one of these nominations from one of these parties, scary-like doesn't really seem to be a really good option.
0: No, and it's Hillary's doing. She's made sure over the last eight years that nobody has the uh, ability in the Democratic Party to run and have a, a, a an even, you know, one iota of a shot of winning the nomination. And they, basically the reason nobody else has been willing to run is because if they even tried, she would destroy them politically. They, all of their political capital would be just forever lost. There's too much to risk and not enough to gain because it's so much of a long shot. So instead of Obama being the big inspiration to the rest the party as he should have been instead she has done an incredibly awesome job of making sure that nobody <laughs> could possibly be uh inspired by his performance just because out of fear
3: but that's why that's that's sort of what makes bernie the the only guy who could do that is because he's got the track record that's opposite of what she does and yeah has, and, he, and has he's never like pulled punches with that kind of stuff so
0: and he's the only man in america who's older than she is <laughs>
1: Alright, so there's there's a scary thing. There's this guy, Ben Carlson.
3: Yes. It's
1: scary. You know, <laughs> I I I gotta say I pride myself on like I have friends that still enjoy some pride in like fucking having that stupid Confederate flag somewhere, either on a guitar or on a wall or whatever. And so I pride myself on like, you know in you know, enjoying friendships with people that think differently than me and I I have to say, like I feel like Ben Carlson is a little bit likable, and <laughs> Ben Carlson intelligent. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. And he seems intelligent, and I mean, probably probably will get eaten up by the circus, but at least there's something out there that surprised me.
3: Yeah, he's what he's a he's like a neurosurgeon, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, he definitely threw me on a lot of. Re- he's definitely like we definitely don't see eye to eye on a lot of shit, but like. His perspective was just so interesting. Like I, I saw in the debate, he was like saying, "Like this is how I'm different than everybody up here. I've operated on a baby inside the womb. I've like, you know, done this crazy medical procedure and saved these actual lives. And it's like crazy when you're like, wow, this guy is not a career businessman, politician. He's actually been a doctor. What kind of, what kind of like opinions about sending people to war or whatever? How would a doctor have?" So, well, maybe know. he's
0: really into wounded people so he can, like, you know, do yeah, medical experiments. You know? Job security. I mean,
1: <laughs> the fact of the matter is the only shot he's got is it's, like, half these people really <laughs> screw up, and I just don't <laughs> see how... They could do that any more than they already have. But, But, you know, what
0: surprised me was that John Kasich surprised me, because what I thought was interesting was all the GOP guys are all like, you know, trying to out-Trump Trump Trump as best they can, with a couple exceptions. You know, Jeb Bush is is a, you know, paint on a wall. But then you got John Kasich, who was basically like, wait, nuance... Uh, warm and fuzzy. You know the, all the yeah. stuff that seems like it would fly more on the Democratic side of the, side of the podium and not on the Republican side. Not thought that at least tone wise, it was very interesting.
1: I love your comment about Bush. Like, I mean, it's so obvious why he's like blast Bush to try to get up there at a bat. Yeah, right. You know <laughs> what I mean, because like, and I did I did realize something. Like, though, he has like a really interesting role in his family's legacy because it's like sort of up to this dude to defend his, you know, father and his brother, whatever's legacy. Because when he gets up there, everybody wants to attack the, that stuff. And he's sort of put in the position of having to explain it all. And, I mean,
2: and,
0: he, and he's he totally he's unprepared to do so, though, you no, know? I mean, yeah.
1: How does he not know that was going to happen? <laughs>
0: okay. you know? Yeah. Right? What's your opinion on Iraq? He's like, um, where's so that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's they your opinion on torture? Him. Never heard of yeah. it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they should have just kept him as a vice president candidate and pulled him out for the for the name.
0: Yes, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, having yeah, him uh, run I think is a mistake. I I personally don't think he has a prayer, not even for the Republican nomination. I think the Bush brand is way 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 too tarnished at this point to try to dumb, resuscitate. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, but yeah. but come on. I mean, uh, uh, the average human uh, these days the attention span we we went to war you know, we we what we the bush war? Yeah, it, it, i mean I, I we say that but then at the same time it, it's even a possibility you know the, the so i mean that, that's that's what's really strange is why how can the guy even be up there at this point but he's still up there so it's like well yeah. eh, eh. i well, i think and, it's going to be i think it's really going to depend on what motivates what what's going to get the millennials out there to get to the voting booth and get people in there and vote and what's going to inspire those people and get the, cause I mean, there's a whole nother generation of people that are, that are uh, eligible. And I mean, if we have another uh, less than 50% of the people vote in the United States, again, we're going to be, we're going to be kind of screwed. And there's not really a lot of people that are speaking to issues that are for young people at all, you know, especially I mean, the
1: college, uh, the college debt stuff, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders, free college plan. and, it's college free. You know, he he's going for the throw for the college and he forced, you know, Hillary to come out early with her plan for that. And that was hilarious because it just was just like I had heard him talking about it on a speech on the radio and then her plan came out and I'm just like, Oh my god, that's just like the same plan. Exactly. Like, yeah. what what the hell you know, tweaked a little bit so she could give some special interest a little bit more money, but whatever you know the difference i think your- is
0: that with bernie with bernie's plan i've got every bit of confidence that if the dude gets into the white house he's working hard to make it happen with hillary i'm quite sure that that plan exists solely to get her elected and yeah. that's
1: it but should we be me naive enough to really think that that democratic party is just going to take over when bernie becomes president so
0: no no I would, but at least there's a fight and at least he's putting the right people into the supreme court
1: yeah that's true. I mean, this is really this is crazy because the same issues that were important last year when we first started talking about this are still important now. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, and they they don't they you know, everybody. Oh my God! You have the immigration thing seems to be the number one thing that all these right wingers want to talk about more than anything. It's definitely hot. The hot button issue right now taking away the taking away the birthright citizenship. This is all. This is crazy, man. You know how how it, it's just like how much of a tidal wave you can make if you if you change stuff like that. I mean, you know what happens if I lose my card that proves that I'm a citizen? Like then when I walk up to prove that I'm a citizen, I mean I speak the way I speak, I carry the way. I mean I could probably prove I'm American, but like what the fuck does that even mean? Like this is crazy. Like how are you gonna yeah. know who's a citizen?
0: Here the Republican Party has spent decades talking about how we're defending the Constitution, defending the Constitution, defending the Constitution, the only party that's talking about making changes to the Constitution and to Supreme Court law (laughs) are the 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 Republicans. Or that the
3: Supreme Court doesn't matter.
0: It's not the supreme power. Yeah, what was
3: it Bobby yeah. Jindal's
0: like, yeah, well, screw, get rid of the Supreme Court. It's the first thing I'm going to do. <laughs> what? <laughs> Apparently he's been educated in Louisiana because <laughs> he doesn't understand I mean, I find separation.
1: I find it hard to even pay attention to stuff like that because, for me, the, just, this whole idea of still needing to, like, separate people by nation states, even though we have this global economy, it's just crazy to me. I mean, it's all, the whole idea of why canadians are canadians and i'm an american is just fucked but like if you want to survive in the world you have to like sort of play along with rules that exist so here we are back i'm stuck listening to people argue about building a wall and all this and who's gonna have a special hall pass stand on this side of the fence and it's all just it's just so fucked up because like that's not i mean I guess the issue is that there's too many people here taking all the resources, or their claim is that. But it just seems like the world has enough resources.
0: Does touring really help your perspective on that on that issue? I mean, I mean when you've, you've been all over the tours, world, you
1: really start to you just really start to you start to see how. I mean, okay, especially after the internet. Before, in like 1999, when when you'd go on like a hardcore tour of Europe, like there was crazy shit, like. Germans wore super bright colored shoes and like there was crazy fashion things you would never see. And now it's definitely that fashion sense, that cultural thing has just spread everywhere. And when you play a show of like, if you play a machine head show anywhere in the world, the fans pretty much know how to dress. And if you go on tour with like converge kids look a certain way. I mean, they're all sharing this information about how they're. To look and even what the way that a lot of the people in these subcultures think and when you tour and you interact with people and you and you see that they all are they all like kind of the same things and they some of them face barriers to get to those things that aren't there for other people. you just realize that it's just it's so small. Airplanes take everywhere everybody everywhere so fast. you know it's just I'm friends and speak with people in tons of different countries on the internet every day and it seems crazy to me that we're still using this system of dividing people along like streams and treaties (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but
3: yeah fake uh, the imaginary lines in the sand and and those things yeah
1: yeah i mean and you obviously like you know you obviously need those things to have some sort of some form of government, I guess. Like, I, but I, I don't believe that you do because you could have some form of world government. But people don't even like the idea of a federal government when they live in Texas nowadays. So, like, or or, or wherever. Like, and that's not even that far. So, I'm not really sure. I'm just kind of off the rails speaking of hypotheticals, you know. But like, <laughs> when you, I think these are the things that disenfranchise a lot of people from even wanting to get involved in the system because it's just there's so many other. Viewpoints and philosophies that are out there now—that Bitcoin it's hard to citizenship.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it's just hard to accept all of this, and especially when you see the, the disparity between things growing. And that's how it feels.
3: I don't know. It's It, it just seems so weird that, that, you know, immigration is not not just a topic. I mean, because obviously it's an issue. There's so, something that needs to be resolved. The, the policies need to be changed and all that stuff. But remember, that used to be the kiss of death, right? Like that, You especially for the GOP, they didn't want to tell you. You couldn't talk about that because their thoughts on it were, we don't know. We don't want to alienate Latinos. We can't do that if we start talking about what we actually think. And now it's like front and center and it's like this legitimate policy to kick everybody out of the United States. And I don't understand how anybody can accept that. Well, I
1: mean, I, there was just an article today I was reading about that talk show host. who was talking about actually enslaving them. I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a, there's a talk show host in like somewhere in Illinois or whatever. And this is his solution. Imprison them all. They're all legal anyway, you know, and it's crazy, but it's, when you look at like some people's opinions on like the you know military prison complex in America, you, you know it's like wow, this is this is the this is where our thinking is going, you know. Okay. We're really are gonna be separating people by class and shit, like real hardcore in the future if we haven't if it hasn't been hardcore enough yet. It's a dark world out there, so you gotta try <laughs> to like uh, hold the door for somebody. You know what I
3: mean? Right. Well, I think these conversations are going to get even uh I you know, we definitely want to keep talking as we get closer to the to the election because it's going to get even more interesting once it starts to boil this down. So,
1: how do we know we're not like just just riding along with the entertainment of it all, you know? It's right. just it's important to stir up what the issues make you feel because I think as I think these are going to be the same issues next year, you know, and we're all going to have at least have had two years at this point to think about them. So uh, the line's going to be in the sand for sure.
3: Senior political correspondent Mike Schleibau. All politics, all the time. The new metal search podcast. That's what we talk about. Yeah. There's been some important stuff in the news, right?
0: Yeah, it's important stuff, and it does. I mean, we in metal have an opinion about it, and some of the stuff does affect us. And oh yeah, politics and metal have been interwoven for a long time, and and I think for a long time should be. I mean, it's it's you know we're all bastard sons of Jello Biafra in one way or another. You know, this is a good thing.
3: Oh and I I totally agree. I I think it's just one of those things that we Kind of put it in the back of our brains and then forget about it and then then don't then wonder why all this other shit happens and it's like well because you've been ignoring it for so fucking long so I, I'm very happy to bring it to the forefront at least in some respects whether it's with music like straight from the Path, or whether it's guys like Mike Schleibaum, who've got great opinions about uh, politics and what's going on uh, and what's going on in the world or you know like Sean Drover who just knows to stay the fuck out of it <laughs> it's like I, no no shit no I've been in too much of that stuff before. <laughs> I totally but get I where it, he's coming from too.
0: It, I do. But at the same time, I mean, I, he he sat behind Mustaine, yeah. and Mustaine said things from the stage in front of him and he stood behind it or sat behind it and you know in a way he allowed that to represent he never stood up and walked away he never you know stood up and said I'll come back on after you apologize or anything like that now I'm not saying I mean if he did no, do something he, like that he
3: stood, up, it, he stood up and walked away by walking out of Megadeth
0: it, that's true but he's never said that he did so because of the politics he did because he artistically was stifled that's a totally different reason
3: because He's got couth. He's got a little bit of couth, you know. And well, there's, then if there's, if there's the nothing couphing, wrong with
0: that. Well, then, I, then if you're not going to say, the, you know, that the reason you left was the politics, then you. I, you sat behind those politics yeah. and allowed those re- politics to represent you. So I think that that you know I don't hear anybody criticizing him, and I'm certainly not criticizing him. But I am saying that you know it is part of his legacy as much as anybody else's until he's willing to come out and and distance himself from
3: that. Only thing I'm willing to attach my name to these days is legalization of weed, man. That's what. That's <laughs> a. Hey, I'm just happy we had a political conversation that didn't involve weed. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> yes because <laughs> ah, we all know that that's supposed to happen and will hear soon enough so not even worth discussing anymore
0: all right, we got to wrap Here's the Hillary show. Hillary Clinton talking about that, do you? No she, doesn't even, no, she ain't even. You know, all the lies that come out of her face. That would be an
3: easy one, and she can't even go there. They haven't you know? even taken a. Well, it's because they haven't pulled the numbers on it yet. When they do that, exactly. they'll figure out whether or not what their position is supposed to be on it. So. You elect her, nothing changes, but you know, <laughs> it's all the same, man. It's all the oligarchy, man, the powerful and the rich and stuff and all that stuff, man. Which is Something one thing. Bernie. We're not. <laughs> We're not part of that ruling class. I am not part of the 1%. I'm a 99 percenter to say the I'm least.
0: I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to invest in this
3: market as soon as it hits the bottom. Right. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going down, baby. It's a, yeah. <laughs> All right, got going to wrap this damn show up, dude. Uh, Metal Sex Podcast. Uh, thank you to Creative Live. Thank you to Sean Drover and Mike Schleimel this episode. We appreciate uh, your input. Uh, make sure that you are following us and subscribe to us and all that good stuff on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Metal Sucks Podcast and you will find us. You can also find us on social media. I am at Bearded Ape.
0: I am at Godless Speaks. GodlessSpeaks.com. And shall I add that we'll be making, I think, some announcements this week. And I'll... First announced them on the Godless Speaks Facebook,
3: the Twitter and, box.
0: Yeah, and you so never know what'll happen on
3: Twitter, that. man. Because, uh, yeah, whether it's getting back into it with, the uh, maybe we'll have to get into a mic this week. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> and don't, don't. I should also add, like, don't miss next week's show. Do not miss it. It's do not, do not miss next week.
3: Well, you should never miss a Metal Sucks podcast. That's why we post it every Monday at (laughs) MetalSucks.net. Until next week, I am Chuck. I am Godless. And this is the Metal Sucks podcast.